Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Ambassadors Forum radio show here on True Talk 800 AM KPDQ. I'm your host, Roy Swart, father of seven, MIT graduate, active engineer in the high-tech industry, but most importantly, bought and paid for, bondservant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our mission here at the Ambassadors Forum is to equip you to be able to better understand and defend your faith by thinking biblically, the same way Jesus did it. My guest today is Vance Day. I ordinarily have a kind of a standard approach to introducing my guest. Instead, I'm going to read an excerpt from an article in the Oregonian in January 2019. Quote, in the summer of 1975, a physician and an opera singer put their son on a Greyhound bus bound for a sports camp near Elsie. When they picked him up a week or so later, their 14-year-old athlete was filled with unexpected passion for the Christian gospel. Don't worry, honey, Douglas Day told his wife. It's a phase. Vance will get over it. Well, he didn't. That trip from Portland to Sports Acres Camp in 1975 set the course for Day's life. A stranger on the bus gave him a Bible, insisting he should preach to fellow campers. I started reading it, and it was unlike anything I'd ever heard in church, he said. He attended Portland's First Baptist Church with his parents for years, but had never been encouraged to take his faith personally. His cabin mates let him read to them every night, and a swim teacher helped him organize a Bible study. Day said he met Jesus that summer and has maintained a personal relationship ever since. I'll never forget leaving that camp, Vance said. I was on fire. Vance, welcome to the show. Thank you, Roy. It's great to be with you. So take me back to that time on the bus and the camp. Sounds like you had a little bit of Christian training or discipleship or at least exposure to the Bible in your background, but you hadn't really gone all in. That was a formative part of your life. It kind of set you on a certain trajectory that changed everything you would ever do. Help me understand what that looked like and what that commitment meant to you at that time. Before I met Jesus at that camp, I would have said, and I told the hippie on the bus, of course I'm a Christian. Isn't everybody in America? You know, because I had a social Christianity. I believed in Jesus in the sense of the historical Jesus. We celebrated Christmas. I liked Christmas gifts. You know, Easter, we went to church, blah, blah, blah. But it was a head knowledge and barely head knowledge. It was no heart knowledge. And when this semi-smelly Jesus hippie from in 1975 who was riding in the back of the bus with me asked me if I had a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I had no idea what he was talking about. And so I asked him, and he told me, and he asked me if I had a Bible. I said, yes, I do. He goes, well, do you have it with you? And I said, well, no, it's by my bedside. He gave me his Bible, and that's when he challenged me, and he said, if you're a Christian, you need to preach the gospel. And I had no idea what to do. So I just began reading it at night, and people wow. started getting saved. In fact, more than 40 years later, Roy, I got a call when I was a Marion County Circuit Court judge in Salem, Oregon, and my judicial assistant said, there's a woman on the line who wants to know 
if you're the Vance Day from Sports Acres back in 1975? And I said, well, I am. And she came on the phone and she said, you may not remember me, but I came to know Christ as a result of you talking about Jesus at that camp. And I just thank you. You never know when your light, your life, your speech, your conduct is presenting a defense of the gospel and helping somebody move from darkness to light into eternity. Wow, that is fascinating. And what an incredible story. Thank you for sharing that. We live in a cancel culture today, which at its root is absolutely anti-free speech. Where do you think God lands on that topic of freedom? Well, I believe that man has free agency and free will. And the reason I believe that is as I read scripture, I see in so many, many places, yes, God knows who's going to choose him. And that way it's preordained in the sense that he knows because he's outside of time. But the key is, is that our father gives us liberty to say no to him or to obey him. I mean, you look in Genesis 2, 3 and following where he says, here's your choice. Don't eat of this tree, but you can eat of this tree. Choice, liberty is important because you can't love somebody if you don't have the choice. If you don't have the choice to say, I don't love you, or I don't want to serve you, you don't have the choice to say, I do love you. I do want to serve you. So God gave us liberty, and that's liberty primarily of conscience. I have a conscience that God gave me, and in relationship to other people, God's word says that I get to use my conscience to guide my behavior. Now, if my conscience is not submitted to God Almighty, I'm going to have a car wreck or a train wreck, and there aren't going to be any survivors of my conscience because you end up heading down the wrong path. So your starting point guarantees your outcome primarily. Mm -hmm. So if you start with the idea of liberty, that I get to choose God, and once I choose him, and the reality, he already chose me and found me before I found him. He just arranged it. That once that happens and I move from darkness to light, then I have the opportunity to co-labor with him. Mm -hmm. And so when we accept that adventure from our Father every single day and live in the Spirit, meaning walk by faith, not by sight, each day is an adventure which we get to enjoy, and we may not have another. I know I'm going off the topic of free speech, but this is all foundational, Roy, to how I think the Lord wants us to, in a culture that wants to cancel the gospel, that we have to rely upon our inalienable rights. That means our liberties that God gave us. They don't come from government. And they start with liberty of conscience. And from liberty of conscience, the right to choose good or evil, I get to have free speech. I get to have free association. I get to believe what I believe. Those First Amendment rights is identified in the Bill of Rights or constitutional rights. Freedom of speech is critical. And when believers start to shield themselves or say, you know, we don't really need to be involved in politics because that's kind of a dirty business. Or it's, <laughs> you know, We watch the news and we say, what the heck? I'm going to heaven. I am done with earth. Right, right. And actually, Scripture shows us in so many places, no, 
step into the calling I gave you. I gave you gifts and abilities. Choose to co-labor with me, your father, to show the world how our culture should reflect my love, my grace, my salvation. And so freedom of speech in an age of cancel culture is critical for us as believers to recognize because that's the vehicle that God gave us to push back on tyranny. They can take my life, Roy, but they can't take my liberty. I have to give it up. And too many believers, I think, in today's culture are not being good stewards of the liberties that, one, God gave them, and then, two, that are recognized by our democratic republic. So my view of freedom of speech, I think, matches a scriptural view, but I don't think we're in today's culture using that weapon, and weapon's a harsh word, but the sword of the spirit, the word of God is a weapon. (laughs) Yeah. And we have to be prepared to use that weapon in order to defend people who don't know Jesus. Because this is a spiritual battle. We're not fighting against Democrats or Republicans or elitists. Right. It's a spiritual battle. Wow. When you describe it like that, Vance, you kind of build the pyramid and the foundation is this liberty of conscience. And then these other liberties are piled on top of that. That's a core gospel kind of thing. There's lots of Christians out there who are going to disagree with you and disagree with me and disagree with us. But at some point, they would say, you know what, if it's really a gospel thing, then I've got to take a stand. I've heard a lot of people say, you know what, free speech, that's just a take it or leave it kind of thing. We happen to have free speech in this country, but not all countries do. And so whatever, it's not a gospel thing. But the way you just described it, it is a gospel thing because it reflects not only the character of God, but the created order of how he's built things. Is that too strong a way to describe what you've just said? No, not at all. And it starts with the concept of that government is actually pre-fall. Government existed in the garden. And the essential element of government was self-government. And so each of those forms of biblical view of government, individual, family, church, and then civil government, Each of those have a sphere of authority, and each sphere of authority, biblically, has a mandate, something that that you're supposed to do with that government. And Christians, too often when they say government, they just think of civil government, and they don't realize that God set the boundaries for civil government. And we see that in Romans 13, we see that in 2 Peter 3, a whole variety of different places throughout the Old and New Testament, which constrain the rightful use of civil governmental power. And when we understand that I have self-government, liberty of conscience, and I have free speech, freedom to associate, I can believe what I want to believe, but I have to do it respectfully and responsibly. The key, I think, Roy, is that they're given from God. They're not given from civil government. Mm. To apply this to apologetics, a lot of people misunderstand what apologetics is. The first misconception is apologizing for your faith. That's not what apologetics is. The other extreme is apologetics is arguing with people and yelling at people and saying, you're wrong because you don't believe like I believe. That's another misunderstanding of apologetics. What apologetics is, 
in the middle, the truth, is really as simple as thinking clearly or mm -hmm. thinking biblically or thinking the way God thinks. Whenever you really see God, you're seeing reflections of the same God in literature, in art, in science, in politics, in engineering, in math, in creation, in everything. And so I really hope people are hearing that message. Like you said, politics is not a dirty word. It is part of the structure and part of the order that God created, and Christians should be participating in it. Well, we need to be about redeeming each of those elements of our culture, or the media, the arts, science, I mean, law, mm. sports. All of us are called to a certain battlefield. And many of us feel that, okay, well, I'm not an ordained minister and I don't lead a church and I just, I can go to church and I can help the minister, but I really am not a, a minister myself. I, no, actually you are. As a judge, I am a civil magistrate. I'm a minister of authority to bring about justice. And I can look to the law of nature and nature's God, as is declared in the declaration, and is recognized in our U.S. Constitution and our Oregon Constitution. And I can draw from the laws of nature as a lawyer and see certain immutable principles that if you violate those principles, there is a consequence. Right. In the same way, there are laws of nature. You know, Jesus spoke of so many of them. Just think about the law of reaping and sowing. Mm. In my world, we call that the law of reciprocity. Mm. Apply that to the law of gravity. Just because I'm Vance Day and I may have a degree or whatever, the law of gravity still applies to me. I could say, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm special. So every action has a, an opposite and reaction. And so Christians tend to spiritualize, you know, step out of that and not look at the world through a scriptural model. Mm. And that's why I love apologetics is you framed it beautifully. It's knowing what God's word says and living according to it, because then we can present a gentle defense exactly. of the gospel. Yeah. This is why I believe what I believe, and I'm consistent in my actions and my faith because I see it so integrated into the world that God gave us. That's good. And I think one of the things that I've personally realized on my apologetics journey is I never knew how many falsehoods were out there. Some of them blatant, but most of them cleverly disguised and woven into the fabric of something or hiding underneath. And a lot of apologetics has been to go and recognize those falsehoods. And then with a correct biblical understanding of the world, a worldview, refute those falsehoods and say, no, this is why that is false. And I think of an example that would probably be pertinent to what we're talking about today is the idea of social justice. So mm. as a judge, your decades of service and training had to do with justice. And ultimately, God is the author of justice and the ultimate avenger and maker of things right. How would you say the current understanding of social justice has been perverted to actually 
contradict the true meaning of justice as God has created it. Well, I'll give you one really simple example. Two wrongs don't make a right. And that's a biblical concept. Another biblical concept, and, and I'll apply these two together, sure. is that you don't hold the son of the offender responsible for the crime of the offender. So if I committed a crime, they don't put my son in jail because he's my son. Right. Individual responsibility, again, goes back to liberty, which is what God gave us, freedom to choose him or reject him. And so social justice throws both those principles out, which are immutable. They're written into the fabric of nature. People know intuitively that you don't want to punish the great-great-great-grandson of a murderer for murder. You don't do sure. that. Right. Yet, social justice is saying this group of people, whoever it is, African Americans, the Irish, Asians, anybody who's non-white, non-European, yeah. Yeah. has to pay for the crimes or the disproportionate allocation of resources 150 years ago. And so social justice violates at least those two principles, in my opinion. I may be changing the subject here a little bit. <laughs> but we, we are equal before God because we are human. And the biblical concept for humanity is that, again, I am just as valuable as you are. And that's why every life has value. And every life, because we're created, has purpose, meaning, and deserves respect. That's equal under the law. That's so foundational to our constitutional republic. But yet here we are talking about something called equity, which means equal result, not equal starting point. Reality is some of us are a lot smarter than others. Some of us have more physical strength than others. Some of us have whatever it is, a better memory, a better vocabulary, whatever. So we we're not all equal in our skill sets. So because of that, we obviously have some people who make a heck of a lot more money, for example, than others. Sure. Sure. Equity says, well, let's take from the person who has and give it to the person who does not because their skill set, whatever, hasn't allowed them or perhaps past prejudice has held them down. Sure. That's a dangerous concept, in my opinion, mm. because it violates the free will aspect of somebody's ability to create, to prosper. Yes, if somebody's held back illegally against the law, then there should be restitution. But for a whole class of people, just because they fall into that class, that's not restitution. That's retribution. Wow, that's really good. Things often don't happen <laughs> the way they ought to. And so right. there's another verse in the Bible, Matthew 5:11. This is from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says, "Blessed are you when people insult you, when people persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me." What would you say to the Christians out there and it's, what do they do when they feel like they are on the receiving end of those insults, of those persecutions, of those false, evil things that come against them, what advice would you give them? I'll quote the words of Jesus, which seem 
to be contrary to how we tend to look at persecution or trials. Mm. And that is, Jesus says, rejoice. You need to live according to the spirit because there's a fourth dimension, a spiritual dimension that we can't see with these eyes. But we can sense it with our spirit. And when we walk in the spirit, we see things differently. And James says, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials for the testing of your faith. Why? Because it makes you mature and complete, lacking nothing. And so we as believers should be feeling persecution, should be feeling pushback, should be experiencing trials. Because if we're not, then we're not being made mature and complete, lacking nothing. For most of my life, I viewed trials as a negative thing. And many times I would ask the Father, Father, why is this happening? Without realizing that the why question makes me a victim. It's a victim statement. Why is this happening to me? It shouldn't be happening to me. Vance, stop squealing. And I learned through, frankly, several different trials that God was trying to give me a gift. It's a gift of maturity. And only through pressure, through perseverance, through a trial is my faith tested. And you don't have a testimony without a test. Every time a believer comes into a trial, it's either one of two things. God in his wisdom is allowing it because he could stop it with his sovereign power. Or two, we've done something kind of stupid and we brought it upon (laughs) ourselves. Sure. You know what I'm saying? So if you look at your trial and you say, you know, I don't think I did anything too stupid that did this. I'm not in sin. Sure. sure. We can say to our father, okay, what's the upgrade? What are you trying to give me that gets me ready for the next promotion to a bigger way of serving you? Yeah, wow. That's how I guess Jesus, I believe, wants us to look at trials to actually rejoice, have joy. Because, Father, you gave me a gift. It's called a trial. I get to open it up, and I get to watch big Jesus show up with his awesome power on the battlefield because I can't do it. Amen. Wow, Vance, what a good word. And what I love about everything about God is it is completely contrary to what the world tells you. In God's word, he has revealed the truth, which is, you know what? View those persecutions and trials and hardships the way God does, and you will rejoice. What a powerful word. Thanks for being on the show today. Oh, you know, it's been a pleasure being with you, Roy. And if I just may encourage the believers who are listening to this, don't be afraid of engaging. The Father has an awesome plan for his children. And he shows the world that he's our Father by how he relates to us. And he relates to us by giving us awesome adventures if we just will accept the opportunity to step in and change the world. Now, how about you? What spheres has God put you in to recognize his created order and his majesty and his purpose and his will for redeeming mankind? What trials are you facing where God is testing you and proving you so that on the other side you can emerge with that maturity that Vance talked about? feeling closer to God, knowing that you have depended on his spirit each 
and every step of the way. I'd like to invite you to our monthly training forums where we talk with speakers like Vance and other leaders in the Christian community who help equip us with practical steps of how to read the Bible, how to read and understand the Bible, how to apply it to our lives, how to challenge and push back against the falsehoods that are in our culture today. Our next forum will be on Friday, February 18th, and will feature another local Christian leader, Eric Bauer, who is the executive director of Portland Rescue Mission. Eric will be talking about the issue of homelessness, how God views that situation, and what we as Christians can do to participate in God's will and God's heart for the homeless in our community. You can visit our website, theambassadorsforum.com for all the details, lots of interaction, open discussion, live Q&A. See our website for the details. Finally, thank you for joining us on the radio today. You can join us every Saturday at 9.30 a.m. here on True Talk 800 a.m. KPDQ. I pray that God will raise you up in your own faith and send you out to share that faith with others in the grace and truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Until next time, I'm Roy Swart. May the Lord bless you and keep you.